Hi there, and welcome back to Gravity, the digital marketing entrepreneur's podcast. I'm Bob Gentle, and every week I'm joined by creators, consultants, and practitioners who share what makes their business work. Whether you run your own business or you're just thinking of stepping out on your own for the first time, you're in the right place. If you're new to the podcast, then welcome along. Just take a second right now to subscribe to this show on your podcast player, and that way you won't miss new weekly episodes and you can dig into some older ones when you finish this one. My guest this week is Chris Marr. Chris is the founder of the Content Marketing Academy. I've been a follower of Chris and consuming his content for years, so I was really pleased to spend some time getting to know him, his business, and most strikingly, his philosophy for life and work. So welcome along, and let's meet Chris. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Chris Marr from CMA to the podcast. Chris, do you want to start by just telling us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and the kind of thing you do? Hey, Bob. Thanks very much for having me on your podcast. It's great to be here today. Uh, Yeah. So, yep. My name's Chris Marr. I am the founder of the Content Marketing Academy, or CMA for short. And I'm based in Dundee, which is great. I love it here in Dundee. The city is booming, and uh, it's a great place to do business. Um... I'm 37 years old. I'll be 38 this year. And all our conversations with my friends at the moment are all about who's turning 41st. So, uh, you know, that period of my life just now, which is great. And uh, I have um, a blended family. So I live, at, I live in Dundee. I also work permanently from home as well. And there's six of us in the house. We've got four kids between us, between Good the two job. of us. So we've got a 17-year-old, a 10-year-old, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. So it can get a bit crazy around here sometimes. So working from home permanently has become a big part of my life and a big part of my business and a big part of how I actually build my business as well, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about as we get into this. But um, the Content Marketing Academy was started um, back in 2012. And it was after probably somewhere close to four or five years of just getting really, really interested in what was happening in the marketing space Facebook, Twitter, all of that stuff around about 2007, 2008 and started to use it and, and use all those applications in my old job. I started a blog, um, I started studying business and marketing and entrepreneurship and all that kind of stuff and started a whole bunch of things. And just basically it's been a massive learning journey over the last sort of 10 to 12 years of trying to figure out what I'm really great at and what I want to do. And now I spend most of my time within CMA teaching and coaching and helping people to not only be not only create the best content that exists online for their industry at the moment um and obviously to help people get better results and roi from their content but also to i think there's a bigger picture is is how to be world-class communicators as well like asking great questions making sure we're engaging with our customers in the right way um, and generally feeling like our work, helping people to understand or feel like their work has impact and purpose. So, you know, w- one thing I've learned, Bob, over the years of teaching content marketing and, you know, digital marketing is that a lot of people are great at the technical stuff or can be great at the technical stuff, but that's not typically what holds people back. It's usually some sort of mental barrier or something that's going on in their head, like a mindset issue. So what we've started to find is that although we teach content marketing and we're great at that, we also had to be really good at um, coaching and mindset 
and helping people to change their behavior and the way that they think as well. So it's bridged into a lot of different things, but ultimately this package now, this package of skills or techniques that we have for teaching has become such, has had such a great impact on people because we can not only teach them the skills, but we can also help them to get over themselves as well. So I think that's, that's kind of, that's me in a nutshell. That's sort of like my day to day is helping people with those types of challenges as a, I would call myself, sorry, other people call me. <laughs> that's that's yeah. kind of like, we've had this discussion before. It's, it's definitely a sort of teacher type of role, teaching adults. I think one thing that's really, yeah, it absolutely makes sense. One of the things that's struck me, because I know quite a lot of your clients or members, I'm not sure what you call them, but they are passionate about being your customer or your client uh, or your member uh, mm -hmm. to the extent where they look at it more as a lifestyle than a simple membership. Um, and I think that really, what you said about mindset there really resonates with me. It's the, the CMA seems to have a very strong culture and it, right. it really seems to reflect you and your personality. You draw yeah. a certain kind of person to your business. Yeah, that's mostly deliberate. Um, I don't know if you want me to, to explain a little bit about that, the culture aspect of it. I think it's interesting. Um, I would probably, absolutely go for it because for me, it yeah, really is one of the standout features. Yeah, it's probably relevant to people listening as well because this goes beyond the digital marketing space, which I think is kind of something that you're interested in anyway, Bob, and people that are listening to this as well. It's like, it's not just about, you know, how to write blogs and how to do videos and all that kind of stuff, which is really great, but actually creating a culture uh, within a group of people is a really challenging thing to do. So that we, like a couple of years ago, I wrote an essay. It's about 6,000 words. I took a week off work essentially to write this thing. And it was all about understanding what it was we're trying to achieve here. What, what CMA what the CMA membership really was. And the conclusion, to cut a long story short, you can find this essay on the website, it's on the podcast as well, is that we are building a learning organization. In other words, we're bringing a group of people from across multiple different industries to come and learn together, right? It's not necessarily about finding that one coach or that one consultant or that one mentor that's going to help you to overcome your challenges, but actually coming into an organization or a culture where you can learn from people that are in the same learning zone as you. In other words, they're only one or two steps ahead of you and everybody's challenging each other and keeping people accountable. But the, the one thing that, we, that I've always wanted to create within CME is a healthy healthy a healthy culture one that's not of that is not is non-competing in other words we haven't got people trying to get one up on each other um, i didn't want there to be any gossiping or any back chat or anything like that happening in cma so we we created cma in a very specific way to allow us to manage that and keep an eye on it but also we created a set of rules as well bob you know we've got a manifesto we've got um, a set of how could you say this? We've got like a philosophy that we all believe in. And it's something that, like you said, that allows us to attract the right people, but also repel the wrong kind of people, the people that aren't a fit for us. So we've got a manifesto, we've got a set of beliefs. Um, and the great thing about that is everybody generally knows how to behave. And that's kind of like in quote, right? To behave. In other words, what is the right type of behavior within our, because really what we've created is an organization, it's a group of people all trying to do similar things so or work to the same sort of aim and 
every organization just like that needs to have some kind of culture and it happened very deliberately but also very organically as well bob so it wasn't a case of like i was like this is our philosophy this is our manifesto it took years it took i wrote the essay like i said i let everybody read it react to it feedback to me then we eventually brought i took that to the stage started talking about it um and then started to create this like a, a design around it what are our five you know five things that we believe in and I've got everybody involved in how that process as well. And then we put it out to as a, as a sort of a formal piece of content. And um, our customers were very, very much involved in creating that culture. So it's been a very organic thing, but very deliberate because we want to make sure that, you know, we're not here. Like this is, this is really important to, to, to say as well. Like I'm not interested in making a quick buck. Uh, this company is, is going to be around for a long time and this you know if i wanted to just sell something quickly i could probably do it i reckon and just make some money but that's not really what i'm interested in i really want to get the right people i really want to build the right culture i really really want to sort of be doing the right thing and that takes a bit more time it's a different approach and it means that we absolutely want to be getting the right people, which again, like I said, it might take a little bit longer to do that. So I really want to build a strong foundation in the company. And uh, it's the exact, it's exact opposite of what we sometimes see online from a lot of marketers and digital marketers, the hustle, all of that kind of stuff really isn't my, that's not my, that's not the camp that I sit in at all. I think so, that, that's that's that something is, for me that really stands out. That I was actually I have some notes here of some places we can go, and one of them really was one of the standout features with you is the integrity that you have, and that's something that people tell me about you. It's not something that I've just noticed and mentioned. But I'm wondering for a lot of the internet marketer types, and mm-hmm. I've no no disrespect to the term internet marketer, internet marketing to anybody that's listening and doesn't know what I actually mean by that, you kind of sum that up by the, the hustle and the make a quick buck. And that's a poor characterization of it. But I can imagine those people find your approach quite intimidating. Mm, yeah. So I don't really know what to say about that. <laughs> um, you know, mom, you know, your, your mom always told you, to, if you've not got nothing, anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. But I think, um, there's obviously in every industry, there's good and bad. There's good and bad in everything. So this is really about if we were to really err on the sort of the approach that you should take rather than comparing one against the other, because there's, like I said, there is good and bad in everything. This is really about figuring out who you want to be, how you want to communicate, how you want people to talk about you. And in order to do all that, you have to kind of take a step back from everything and think, well, who, who am I really? How do I want to communicate? How do I want to build my business in my way? What's important to me? What can, what's a non-negotiable? Like integrity, for example, you might say, well, absolutely, integrity is so crucial. I never want people to think that I'm trying to pull the wool over their eyes. I never want people to think that I'm trying to cheat them into anything or manipulate them into anything. And therefore, what I have to do is be honest and transparent with my customers at all times, right? So that would be, as a hypothetical, but it's an example of the type of exercise that we need to go through because... Well, what happens is, especially in marketing, you go online and you just see marketers everywhere and you're like, oh, that guy's doing that. I should go over there. I should be doing that. Oh, they're doing that over there. I should also be seen to be doing that too. They're doing this. And what, what that really says is like, it's, a, it's, a, it's an example of a distracted mind. In other words, it's an example of someone who doesn't truly know 
who they are. They don't understand their own principles and their own values. So if we want to be great business owners or great marketers, great communicators, the first thing we need to figure out is who are we? What principles do we stand by? What absolutely do we never want to be known for? What do we want to be known for? What's really important to us? That's like the principles, your own values statement about who you are determines how you go to market. A simple example, a really simple example that's practical that people will get is, should I have pop-ups on my website, right? Like a simple thing. And for me, it's a, it's a no, like no way do I want to have pop-ups on my website. Do marketers put pop-ups on their website? Yes. Do they work? Well, some people will say that they do. Some people will tell you that they don't. I don't care if they work or not because that's not how I want my customers to feel. I don't want that to be a way in which we communicate a message to our customers. That makes sense. So yeah, it makes perfect sense. It's trying to create almost like filters in your business so you can filter decision making through them. Right. So it's like trying to create your own set of rules, guiding, guiding principles that help you to decide how we will go to market, how will we, we will be known. And a lot of the, a lot of my methodology in this, uh, or the way that I have come to this, I guess, Bob, is just to kind of accept that I probably know enough to make my own decisions. I don't need to go and look at what other people are doing. I just need to decide if this is the way that I want to do it or not and to make sure that I'm working on the right, the right ideas and the right solutions. So that takes a bit of, I think, a bit of practice and a bit of confidence, of course, as well to do that. Um, and al- almost like we need to be able to give ourselves permission to do what we believe in rather than looking for permission in external sources like the Gary Vaynerchuks, like the other people that are in, you know, sharing their content. You don't need that. You really don't. You think you do. And right now you might feel like you do need that permission, but you really don't. You need to find a way to give yourself your own level of permission so you can do the work that's meaningful to you and you feel is going to have the best impact on in your world. Yeah, that makes sense. I, it does. Absolutely. And I think that the mindset, a lot of people in the digital marketing space, whether they're doing it for their customers or they're trying to encourage their customers to participate, or as you are in, in teaching and education, they... And, and you're absolutely right. Until you can decide who you are, how can you possibly amplify that? Um, yeah. And I forget, if, that's just a process of going inwards rather than outwards, which is the exact opposite of what we see a lot of times, right? So it's a process of like really curbing the external influences and really try to figure out who you are. That's where it all starts. It's like the, honestly, the best personal development that you could do is to go inward rather than outward. That is really, really valuable. And I think for anybody who really is looking to push out into a personal brand, identifying who they are first is so important. And a lot of people underestimate that. And that's why a lot of it tends to look quite fake. It's because people are pushing in directions that just are not aligned with who they're comfortable being. Absolutely. And I'm not trying to be, you know, I'm not trying to be a hypocrite here. That was me. I was there at one point. And um, even in five years' time, I might look back on this conversation, Bob, and think I, was, I still had a lot of work to do. And I do. We all have a lot of work to do in this area. I think it's just a case of getting closer and closer to it over time. And just believing in yourself that you do, it's somewhere inside of you, you know what you want, you know who you want to be, you know what you want to be known for, you know the type of work that you should be doing. And over a course of time, 
it's a bit of practice and a bit of training and a little bit of work to get closer and closer and more clear on that thing. Uh, and that's, I guess, has been a big part of my own development as a marketer, as a business owner, as a dad, as a boyfriend, all of this stuff. It kind of has like this uh, effect on you that kind of goes across your whole life, not just in your work, but it's about getting closer and closer to that over time. So there's always work to be done. It's a process. It's never like, you know, one day it's unclear, the next day it's super clear. It's not like that. It's just a process of clarity. And it's about just committing to that process. Yeah. I think one thing for, that might be quite interesting is if anybody's listening and they're working, for example, in an in-house marketing role, they might listen to this conversation and go, what are they talking about? But alongside that, I know I worked very briefly in an internal marketing role in, in, a, in an oil company. And I spent the whole time worrying that I was going to get found out. And there's a whole different mental game there that. Uh, I maybe want to pivot into a little bit that mm -hmm. for people in an internal marketing role, they maybe have some qualifications that in, uh, entitle them to be in that role, or they might have experience that entitles them to be in that role. But in the digital marketing space, or the content marketing space, it never stands still. So by definition, you will not know it all. And yet you have this nagging feeling that your boss or, or management expect you to be the expert in everything to do with digital marketing. And I noticed that a lot of the communications you've been putting out more recently are really geared towards the internal marketer. Is that to address that sort of anxi anxiety that you may be hearing coming out of that space? Partly. What Bob, what you're referring to, Bob, is the, uh, we've been doing a LinkedIn series over the last three months or so. We've been putting a video out almost every week, and then there's been a couple of breaks in between. But there's something like a dozen videos out there now that's really, that's addressing the conversation between leadership and marketing, right? Is there, there's a gap there, a communication gap. And what we're doing is we're talking about the challenges in that gap to try and bring, bring leadership and marketers to closer together, to understand each of the needs in each department so that people can start to communicate a bit better. But yes, generally speaking, uh, even in large companies, the market department is tiny, usually siloed, usually expected to do everything, high expectations, undervalued, and they don't feel like they're doing work that has purpose or has real impact on the company, things like that. Um, that's, not, that's, a, that's, that's my experience. That's why we go in and work with companies is to help them to develop and define the marketing function within the company. Um, but the, so that's, that's like what I see. Of course, there are companies out there that have great marketing departments and have great cultures and all the rest of it, but that's where we go to work. That's what we get paid for. Right? So people say we've got a problem. We need to solve it. So yes, uh, to, to answer your question, Bob, it does just because you're you're no different in a if you're in an in-house marketing role or you're a freelance marketer i think a lot of the mindset challenges and approach to all of this is very very similar i think maybe what you're referring to is something like imposter syndrome where like you've got your qualifications you're you're probably you know what you've probably got a thirst for learning if you're in marketing and you haven't got a thirst for learning i'd question <laughs> i'd question why you're in marketing because you definitely need to have that and you're probably doing some courses your qualifications reading books listening to podcasts all of that kind of good stuff to try and get your skills up to a level where you feel like you are you've got your finger on the pulse but there's so many things in marketing just like i have over the years instead of trying to learn more about marketing i've actually tried to learn less and be good at a, um, a core set of skills 
Um, and that's something that we teach in-house marketers to do as well, Bob, is to look, let go of this need to be good at everything and really focus on, on the core skill set of a great in-house marketing role or a great in-house, in-house marketing manager. What does that, what does that skill set look like? Yes, you might have some expert skills. Let's say, for example, um, you're amazing with video or video editing or something like that. Or perhaps you've, in the past, you've been a website developer, so you've got programming and coding skills, right? That's a bonus. The skills that you really should be honing are communication skills, leadership skills, um, strategic planning skills, because that's the stuff that really matters inside a large organization because marketers are there to bring people together. We're not necessarily the people that have to create all the marketing, but we definitely have to manage the campaigns and the projects that exist around solving marketing problems. So we could go deep, deep, deep on that. We could do a whole podcast episode just on that <laughs> subject alone. But generally speaking, what we're trying to do here is we're trying to address the challenges that in-house marketers are having, helping them to see that they're not alone with those challenges and helping leadership to understand that these challenges exist and that there's something something needs to be done. In other words, what we need to do is pay a little bit more attention to our marketing department, our marketers, make sure that they have the tools and resources to do their job well, guide them as well. I think a lot of people think that marketers are self-directed, like in their learning, but a lot of people just generally speaking, a lot of people just aren't self-directed learners. So they need someone that can mentor them and shape them and help them to, you know, do, do the right courses and go to the right conferences and all that kind of good stuff as well. So I think, I think we forget all of that and we just sort of let marketers kind of get on with it and we don't really give them the support and the attention that they need and generally they feel misunderstood, they don't feel listened to, they don't feel, and therefore they don't feel like they're having an impact or any sort of real sort of grounded purpose, you know, that's aligned with strategy in the organization and that leads to low morale and it also leads to them leaving their job and I don't know if you know this Bob or not but um, can in the, uh, compared to all other business functions, the marketing department has the highest staff uh, turnover rate across the board. So, and that's, that was a, I can't remember where this statistic came from. I can find a resource for you if you need it. But generally speaking, what we find is that marketers are leaving their jobs more often than any other business function. And we have to ask ourselves as leaders, as marketers, why is that? You know, what's the problem here? How do we solve it? How do we re- keep, retain great people, great talent in our organizations instead of letting them go? And the feedback that we've been getting on that is that it's because they're just not understood, they're not listened to, they're not supported. Yeah, I think that's that's an experience that I can certainly resonate with. I have a few friends that work in internal marketing roles and often they've gone there quite junior and they've been there for a long, long time. And there comes a point where they, there's no, they feel they can't progress because in management's head, they're still this junior person. Uh, and often the only advice I can offer is, you haven't taken management on a journey that they can understand and you've demonstrated an evolution and therefore the only real way you can break that cycle is to move sometimes. Yes, um, absolutely. Yes. And the thing is, there's only so much you can do as well. I mean, if, if you're in a role and you're, and you're, uns, you're not satisfied with, with the culture or with the communication, then you can try, you know, you can try using some of your skills to kind of overcome some of that but there's only so much that you can put up with it. It's like, it's like, it's like in every relationship, in every organization, it's a two-way street. We have to give a little to get a little. We have to give trust to get trust. And if you feel like your trust is being um, put to the side or um, un- your work is undervalued, then eventually you will just get up and take your skills and your, 
uh, your experience somewhere else. And that's unfortunate. And that's what's happening in marketing. And it's interesting to me to, to break that down and say, why is the marketing department, why does the marketing department have the highest rate of staff turnover compared to all business functions? That's interesting to me. And it's something that's a conversation that everybody that has market a marketing department needs to have. Yeah. I would like to jump back to, you said, you need to let go of your need to be good at everything um, or your, you need to do everything yourself. One of the things that I'd be curious to dig into a little bit is what were the products and services that CMA were offering on, on day one and maybe day 365 and how does that compare to the, the kind of services and product that you offer now and, and what's that journey been? It's been like uh, I sort of mentioned this at the start. It has been this sort of process of like culling. It's almost like pruning uh, in a way. Like if you're a gardener, you know, sort of pruning the roses or whatever. It's the same sort of idea. Um, and over time, we've just got um, more and more aware of what we're good at. Obviously, profits and revenue is a major factor as well. So we look at things and think, well, how much energy and resource and budget are we putting into this thing, and what's the ROI on it? Is it working? Um, big part of that as well. I'm going to throw some stuff at you that's not going to come out in the right order here. Um, okay. <laughs> but getting better at goal setting has been a big part of the journey. So over the last 10 years, we've just got really, really good at setting goals, um, which obviously is a major influence on then how we then choose what work we do in the year. So again, it comes back to, Bob, it comes back to making good decisions. What we figured out is that a lot of the success that people have in business is because they're able to make good decisions. And that is ultimately where we want to get to is to be able to make good choices. So for example, when we're setting our goals, we then use the goals and this, this the strategy, if you will, to sort of say, okay, we've got this idea here. Should we do it? Well, does it fit in with what we want to achieve this year? No. Right. Let's push it to next year. Right. And we're having this, uh, this real ability now to qualify our ideas and be able to push them away from us instead of saying, we absolutely need to get this done. It's a great idea. Let's do it now to actually, we could do it now, but probably better if we just waited so we can plan that in for the next development period. Let's put it into September. Let's put it into October. Let's put it into next year. You know, so we're really starting to get better at choosing where our energy and resource is placed. Again, it comes back to just being clear about what you want to achieve. Also a bit of clarity around just knowing how much time you have, what your true capacity is, how many things you could possibly work on at one time and do it well and look after your customers really well too. So you're just having to just get better at making the right decisions. And that's been like, a, like okay, so we started back in the day, I would do anything. I remember sitting at my desk designing business cards. I have never been a designer in my life I have got absolutely zero interest in trying to figure to be trained in how to use Photoshop, for example. Not a single interest in that at all. However, I do know really great designers who are so much better at it than I am. They can do it faster than me. They can do it better than me. And ultimately, they, even though I have to pay them lots of money, they can do it cheaper than I can as well. Because my time, if I'm not, my time's expensive. Because if I'm designing business cards, I'm not doing the work that I should be doing. So over the course of time, Bob, it's just been a question, you know, what do we need to stop doing more of this year, right? So what's, so a lot of people write to-do lists and things that they want to do. What I do is also write a list of things I'm going to stop doing as well, 
right? So what's on the stop doing this list this year? What are we going to stop doing? Uh, so for example, last year, we decided we we're going to stop doing CME Live, right? CME Live was our annual conference. We ran it for five years and we decided that it's the end. We're going to stop it. Um, for lots of different reasons. We wrote a blog article about it. This comes back to the whole integrity thing and the philosophy that we share with you as well. It's completely transparent and lays it out in black and white exactly why we decided to stop CME Live. We even, like the one thing that happened with CME Live is that I didn't want people to think that we were doing anything like dodgy with it at all. So I, the first time we announced, we announced it from a stage in a room with our customers Right, so we didn't do a video. The first thing wasn't a video online, so we could keep it arm's length. We literally put it in front of our customers, so if they wanted to, they could come up on the stage and actually talk to us about it. So we, we've made big decisions because of this. Slowly but surely, uh, Bob, it's that process, you know, of just getting better at understanding what are we truly good at. If we were to do one thing and that one thing was going to be world-class, what would that thing be? What is my core skill set? And just getting to the point where I'm saying to myself, what's the thing that only I can do? And then being able to delegate and outsource all the other things that, or just say no to them, Bob. Say, no, we're not doing this anymore, or we're not going to do this at all. And then being able to just prune down to the point where every day I've got control over my schedule. I know exactly what work we're doing. I know why we're doing it. And honestly, that's a game changer because when you sit down to your desk and you know why you're doing all of your work, that changes how you approach your work. You feel good in the morning. You feel good about your work. You feel excited. You feel grateful. You know, all of those good things. Does that, does that help? Is that, I, I know that maybe didn't directly answer the question, but, um, you know, we started off trying to do everything like everybody does. Um, and then over time, we've just got better at saying, actually, this is what we're really, really good at. And, it's resulted in not just having more time, but having more sort of the right type of time. In other words, being able to control my time where I can do certain types of work that are better for me at that time. And that isn't just, I don't want to, to sort of say this is only like exclusive for people like me who are business owners and I've got complete control over their schedule. People in large organizations can do a bit of this too. And you absolutely should protect certain parts of your day for certain types of work where you are best and that's that slow process so what should be on your stop doing list what am i going to stop doing you've got to ask yourself things as well bob like what am i what can't i do what do i hate doing what shouldn't i be doing and what should go onto that list and then build it this list of stuff that you're just no good at and find ways to get rid of it so you the work that you do is your best work i think i have two questions that come out of that and the first one is, it's popped out of my head for a second. So I'll ask the second one. No, I remember the first one now. I guess a, sim, a, a, a way of asking the same question I just asked, but in a, in a way that will maybe draw out an answer that I think is important for people, is if you were to compare the amount of time that you put into the more sort of done-for-you service at the beginning, uh, as opposed to the more productized service, how would that ratio be different four years ago compared to how that sits now. Yeah, so all I did was done for, done for you stuff back in the day. I did some teaching, some workshops, but mainly it was about finding customers that I could do marketing for. And then I just, there was one day where I realized that I actually hate doing agency work and decided that I was going to switch into something else and do what I'm truly great at, which is teaching. 
So workshops became a thing, speaking became a thing, coaching and consulting became a thing. So now we do cons- now we're heavy on consulting, teaching and coaching. That's what we do as an organization. There's three of us in the company now and that's what we do best. Yeah. If we were to take on the agents, agency would be like taking, if we were to decide to do agency work now, it'd be like starting another business. That would be what it was like. It would be like. So what we've just decided is, it wasn't just a decision. It was a real feeling. We tried it. We tried to do it well. It wasn't a fit for my skill set. And I think over a course, uh, through my own mentors and trying to figure it out for myself, I realized actually, and this goes back, Bob, this goes back to when I was 19 years old. I loved doing teaching and workshops and education and all that leadership stuff that I learned in my first 10 years of being working in a larger organization. And I was trying to do something else. It was weird. And then all of a sudden it just made sense to me. That's what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm great at. So that's what I'm going to go sort of go all in on. So every, all the type of work that I do is usually involves coaching, consulting, teaching, whether it's public workshops or private workshops or consulting periods within organizations or working one-to-one with people. So yeah, that's, it's been a massive change, Bob, but we had to figure it out for ourselves. And so will the people listening. <laughs> you know, that's what it takes sometimes. Yeah. And I think you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the agency stuff, it's quite easy to find. And the problem is when you find it, that time is then consumed and you can't. That time's no longer available for building true long-term legacy value. Uh, so it, it is a fight to move away from agency work because it's so easy to find. Well, what the risk was for me was that over, especially over the last couple of years, Bob, I'd say probably the last three or four years maybe, is understanding just how important a certain type of time is to me. And this is the time that gets robbed of you when you are, you've got lots of client deadlines and it's unprotect, you can't, it's harder to protect it. And that is time for creative thought, thinking, reading, and generally just being able to sit on your own and think about stuff. Hmm. And if, if you've got a type of business where you're working in just now or the type of work that you do just now and you don't have any of that time, then something is, at some point you're going to feel like the, that you're missing something in your work and you've got to build that time in. And for me, I wanted to be able to protect that time more than anything else um, to do with my work. So I guess it was built from, it came from, it came from that route. I think Bob, for me, was just realizing that, God, I'm just like, it's just like, basically I'm like, a, am just in a, I'm like a rat in a cage and just, you know, just ticket, just going through this cycle all the time. And it's just another deadline after another deadline, after another deadline, losing sleep, the, you know, chasing payments, blah, 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 you name it. It's all the stuff that comes with the territory. Yes. Could we have done it better? Absolutely. But it was not ultimately not something that I should have been doing in the first place. Yeah, I think that hamster wheel is something that I resonate with a lot. And one thing that you also said that resonates with me is the more you protect your time, the more time you have available to discover who you want to show up as, who you actually are, and where your real value is for people, because it's unlikely to be designing business cards. Um, The more you value your time, the more other people value it too, as well. So it's it's, it's about respect. And that the respect that you need to look for first is respect for yourself and respect for your own time first. So if you truly love yourself and truly value yourself, then you will do these things. 
and if you don't yet then it might be a case of just you know working through that for yourself and eventually it will come hopefully but then it, it does bleed out and other people start to respect your time and your they value your opinion and your thoughts much more because you first of all started off by respecting your own your own time and your own space basically now you have elegantly segued into my next question which is really comes down to time and time management and i couldn't really have you on the podcast being the leader of the cma and not have a conversation about time management because anybody working in social media content marketing digital marketing will recognize this that time and productivity are really really probably the biggest challenge as soon as i opened facebook i completely forget why i opened it i opened it for a productive reason to do something that was work related but as soon as that opens i'm gone down a rabbit hole so you must have developed some some strategies around time management that maybe it's worth sort of spending a few minutes on yeah uh, time management's a mindset um it's not a series of productivity tools and hacks although those are the things that we talk about the most mm. uh so time is about like i said earlier um if you so for example if you um struggle to get up in the morning or you struggle to approach your work or whatever it is you you do not love yourself enough you've not got enough self-respect to do the work that you said you were going to do right so it's a mindset issue uh, as a mindset challenge, we need to think differently about how we approach our time. See, when you understand that, like you, you could die tomorrow, right? If you, if you under- truly believe that your life could be taken away from you today, then it changes everything that you do and the way that you approach things, right? The things you say yes to, the things you say no to. So you start to understand that life is precious. You only have so much time to do the things that you should, the, the, the things that you want to do. So even, even not just time management, Bob, not even um, eliminating procrastination, um, but just making good choices about the work that you do as well. Is this work that I really want to spend my time doing? Like, so you could, like, someone could walk up to you today, Bob, and say, um, give me, uh, give me a hundred, give me a hundred pounds, Bob. And you're like, no way. And you say, Bob, <laughs> have you got five, uh, but Bob, have you got five minutes? And you're like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. What is it? Right. So we give away money like it's, we, sorry, we don't, we don't give away our money. We protect our money, but we give away our time to people like it's, like it's free. Um, but it's the most, like it's the resource that cannot be replaced, right? You can always make more money, but you can never make more time. So what we want to be able to do is just shift our mindset around this. Yes, there's the one thing that frustrates me the most about, about this conversation is that, and I get into this conversation a lot, is that people think that it's about productivity hacks and tools, yeah. Those will help you a little until you just completely fall out of the habit of using them again. Right? It's not about that. It's about mindset. It's about changing your approach and respect for time. That's where it really sits with me. So as soon as I started to, this is, a, and again, I want to make it clear that I am terrible at this, right? And that's why I know so much about it is because I've been challenging myself about all the time. Why do I feel this way when I wake up? Why can't I get up? Why am I avoiding this work? what's going on? Why am I feeling like this? You know, it's about self-awareness, but then also challenging yourself to think differently and be better at this stuff as well. So time management is mindset. Um, it's about understanding and respecting yourself and the work that you do and the time that you have, and then putting it to good use. Part of that comes through natural constraint, Bob. Like, so for example, if you've got four kids, like I shared with you at the start of the podcast, then you have natural constraint. 
which a lot of people think is the is the opposite of what creatives need. No, creatives need constraint. Otherwise, nothing gets done. You need to be creative within the constraints that you have. So creating your own constraints can work really well too. Like, so for example, I want to finish work at a certain time or I want to be able to do things in the evening or at the weekends. So for example, I take Wednesday off completely. No work on a Wednesday, that's dad day. And I take weekends off. So I will work a maximum of four days a week. Sometimes I take Friday afternoon off. Sometimes I take Monday afternoon off. It just depends. But my work, my work week went from being whatever I wanted it to be to 30 hours, right? So all, all of a sudden I've got 30 hours to do the same amount of work. That means I had to make better choices. So understanding your own capacity, understanding your energy, having a better uh, respect for, or more respect for time and respect for yourself as well. It comes from that too. So time management is a set of like, it's, a, it's, a, it's an approach of philosophy and understanding and a mindset rather than a set of tools. Because we could talk for hours about productivity tools, Bob. But yeah. ultimately, it's about your approach to time. So one of the things, though, that I would say has absolutely changed the game and is a, is a big one is, is planning your day the day before. So once you finish work, recap the day, plan the day that's coming up. Um, at the end of the week, recap the week. And at the start of the week, make sure you visit every day in the week. And one of the things that we encourage our, our clients to do is at the start, so I've just literally about to um, send everybody a video on this as well, is to look at every single day in May. So visit every day in May in your diary, right from the first, right through to the end, and make sure you understand exactly what's, what you've got in every day and where things all lie out. So you're, not, you're basically going in with your eyes open. So that would be like, that's the, the short version of it, Bob, in terms of time management. The thing is about time management is that you cannot manage time. Time is the same for everybody that moves on. You can't manage it. All you can do is better with the time that you have. And that's what we need to understand is that it's about our approach to time rather than trying to manipulate time in some way, which is what I always feel like productivity, productivity hacks are all about. It's like, how can we do more in the same amount of time? I'm actually like, I want to do less in less time. I want to do less stuff in the time that I have rather than more. So productivity becomes about to-do lists. Um, time, and when I, when, I, when I think about how I manage time, I think about to, like, to the things I don't want to do. So it's like, it's an opposite. It's like a, it's a change in mindset, a change in approach, but it's also really refreshing as well. So it's l less stressful. I never feel like I want, I never ever sit down and think to myself, I want to do more today. I always sit there and think, do I have to do this stuff today? What's the most important? And I might have half a day, but I did three things and those three things were the most important things that I could do today. So that's a different yeah. approach, different mindset, but perhaps sparks some thoughts and ideas for people listening. No, I think that was hugely valuable that you bring that back to mindset because if you haven't got that right, then it doesn't matter what tools, tips, tactics, hacks you use you will very quickly fall off the wagon. You won't be consistent and it won't lead to long-term success. Chris, you've been very generous with your time. I know we probably need to bring things to a close. If people want to connect with you, how would you like them to do that? Yeah, if you've got any questions, you want to pick my brain about something, thoughts, maybe you disagree with something that I've mentioned or something wasn't clear, then the best place is to jump onto Twitter and you'll get me at chrismar101, 101, chrismar101. And you can get me on all the other platforms with the same, the same handle. Chris, you've been an absolutely fantastic guest. 
thank you so much for your time. I'd love to have you on again sometime. But for now, I should probably say goodbye. Thanks a lot. Thanks for your time, Bob. It was great. Thank you. One of the things I've grown to love about Chris and his content is that he's very focused on personal growth. He's uncompromising with himself, his integrity and his drive to provide genuine value. When you meet his clients, as I regularly do, you discover quickly that Chris has some of the most vocally supportive clients you will ever meet. Before I go, just take a second to subscribe and if you haven't already, then join our Facebook group. You can find a link from the website at bobgentle.com or just search Gravity Digital Marketing at Facebook and you'll find us easily. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love for you to review it on iTunes. It would mean a lot to me and it's the very best way to help me spread the word about the show. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Chris for giving me his time this week and to you for listening. And see you next time.